lot of things about Joseph we just don't know, mm-hmm. but I do know he was faithful. Mm-hmm. And that just stirs my heart to remain faithful. Mm-hmm. He was a man of character. Mm-hmm. Is one of the things that jumps out to me is he could have, you know, abandoned Mary and had her stoned and divorced her and been done with it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he was faithful and um, he was a man of faith. everyone to Renew Your Mind. Uh, this is podcast number 171. Uh, thank you for joining us here. Uh, I'm Jordan Kettlewell, the Director of Youth and Family Ministries for Gaylord First United Methodist Church, um, and today also guest host uh, and moderator um, for Renew Your Mind, as Dana was not able to join us for this series, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. With us, as always, is our senior pastor, Paul Grunberg, our associate mm-hmm. pastor, Jeremy Teru, and our re- resident retired pastor, Barry Sweet. <coughs> Sorry, I had a trying to suppress a cough there halfway through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to continue on today uh, with our, our series on basically what our favorite parts uh, scripturally of the uh, Advent and Christmas story are. And we got into some of it uh, last week, Pastor, with, with Joseph and things just, you know, one kind of transition to the next, but I know that's kind of where you're where your heart lies when you think about the Christmas story. Joseph really sticks out. Yes. Um, and. And, and I, I share that I share that with you a lot. Uh, but why is it in, in particular that Joseph stands out above above the rest when it comes to the advent uh, and the in the coming of the Messiah? There's two things. One, he was along for the ride on one on one level. Uh, the birth or the conception of the Messiah that's all Mary, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's got a choice to make, and he chooses to man up for lack of better words, and be faithful to God. Uh, When God finally uh, speaks to him through the angel and says, hey, you know, what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit, and uh, you're to be, uh, remain faithful, and he did. Mm -hmm. He's he's the unsung hero Mm. Uh, we talked in terms of being the father. I mean, mm. Jesus needed a father. He had his heavenly father, but you know, how long into his life did he not know that his earthly father wasn't his heavenly father or wasn't his true father? Yeah. I mean, we know at the age of 12 that Jesus says, I have to be about my father's business. Well, at some point, Joseph has to relinquish um, the rights of being the father. I mean, because a, a lot of guys can get jealous with that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, envious, jealousy, begin to take it out on the kid because, you know, they're unable mm-hmm. to manage their own emotions. And so there's just a lot about Joseph that goes unnoticed um, in regard to his life. And at some point, you know, he's out of the picture or it, least not being mentioned when Mary's with the kids and they go to find jo- uh, Jesus and mm-hmm. who are my mother, who are my brothers and sisters, you know, he didn't say who are, is my father, you know, so we don't know if Joseph was dead at that point or mm-hmm. if Joseph had as a carpenter or a laborer had gone to Herod's 
site in Jerusalem to work on that monstrosity called his home. Yeah. And uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things about Joseph we just don't know, mm-hmm. but I do know he was faithful. Mm-hmm. And that just stirs my heart to remain faithful. Mm-hmm. He was a man of character. Mm-hmm. Is one of the things that jumps out to me is he could have, you know, abandoned Mary and had her stoned and divorced her and been done with it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he was faithful and um, he was a man of faith mm-hmm. is I think which led him down this road and, and even though he didn't know everything that it would mean, just like Mary didn't, mm-hmm. um, once you know that dream came along and he understood what this was about, he manned up, mm-hmm. as you put it. And and he's a great role model and mentor, I think, for men. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. I think uh, you know one of the things that that really stands out for me is with him being a, a role model and a man of faith and a mentor. Um, a biblical hero. He he was a man of faith. Yes, he wasn't a religious leader. He wasn't an no. important guy. No, yeah. he was a carpenter. He was a you know mm-hmm. blue collar dude. You know, making tables and chairs and and working. You know, working his fingers to the bone every day. Mm-hmm. Um, this was not you know this was not the the high leader in the church or um, a great prophet or anything of anything of the nature. He was a regular guy given an impossible task that was just beyond the scope of anything I'm sure he could have ever thought he was going to encounter. And he did it, you know, and he did it and he stepped in, he stepped in to be a dad and in a room full of dads, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I can't speak to what it's like to be a mom, but in a room full of dads, I can say stepping in to be a dad is a pretty big job. It's mm-hmm. an important one. Mm-hmm. Where's yeah. Dana when you need her? That's I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. Need some and, balance. And so just from that perspective, and I think, Jeremy, you mentioned a, a podcast or so ago, mothers appreciate fathers who stand up mm-hmm. and do the things that fathers are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So. And I think there's, so there's some evidence too, you know, we obviously we don't hear a whole lot about Joseph. And so a lot of stuff is interpretation and speculative and wonder, as as Barry's mentioned before, you know, it's just you just wonder sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that Jesus was a carpenter. We also know that Joseph was a carpenter, which really, you know, that's, those are two very minor facts really, but it also goes to show that they, you know, when, when Mary and Joseph had Jesus, they weren't necessarily, they didn't also become high lofty church leaders. Right. They lived a regular life. Mm-hmm. They knew they were raising the son of God, but I'm sure there was no textbook on how to raise the son of God. Um, so they, they in part were raising a Messiah, but also in part were just raising a son. Mm-hmm. And so Joseph passed his craft down to his son as any father would. In some ways it talks about how the two bonded. Mm-hmm. I think is that if, if um, Jesus picked up the role of his dad and, and the work of his dad, they had to spend time together. He had to learn the craft uh, mm-hmm. And all of that, and which means they spend some quality time together. Yeah, and it sounds like mm-hmm. they bonded. And and the other aspect of that is, if Joseph did indeed die in the ancient world, the pressure would have been on Jesus to make right. a living for his mother mm-hmm. and family uh, be, as the firstborn son. Right. And so 
there's a lot of unknown in there, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. speculative, but just understanding the lifestyle of people back then, you know, Jesus had a lot of pressure on him too. Sure. To remain faithful to being a good son. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I also think with Joseph, this is, this is moving ahead a little bit, but uh, to the time of the massacre of the innocents under Herod, uh, where Herod wanted to find baby Jesus mm-hmm. and have him killed, uh, the angel comes to Joseph and says, take Mary and take Jesus and go to Egypt. And this is in a dream. This is in a dream, yeah. right. But the angel goes to the dad and the husband and basically says, you need to protect your family. Right, right. You need to take them to Egypt. So he's calling upon the role of dad and husband and man to, like Pastor Paul said, man up and step into what you're supposed to be doing, protect your family. Yeah. Right. And I think as, as men and dads, and we can relate to that too, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, we feel that in us that we're supposed to be doing that, you know? Yeah. And that, and that goes to, I mean, relating all that to, um, you know, to our day-to-day lives. I mean, that, that really also goes to just, you know, how often are we having to take our kids and flee to another country to mm-hmm. protect them? You know, never. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but there are other ways that we protect our kids mm-hmm. in their decision-making. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if anybody listening, if you've got kids, and especially if they're teenagers or grown, protecting them from their own decision-making sometimes is the the biggest task. But we have, you know, that's our, that's our role. It's to to be provider and protector mm-hmm. and to do what's required and also to do what's required um, in our, in our walk with Christ. Right. Uh, and so we're, we're protecting them even though we don't have to take up our family and flee or necessarily fight off an enemy. Um, we still need to be protecting their minds, protecting their yeah. hearts, protecting their, who they are and inevitably where they're going to spend eternity. Yeah. In a way we're, we're protecting them in the truth. If we're passing down the faith to them, the one true faith we're we're guarding them against everything that opposes that mm-hmm. all of the different ideas and thoughts the world has and, mm-hmm. you know, different options. We are protecting them spiritually when we're passing the faith down to them. Yeah. So. And that is a big job. Mm-hmm. It's always a big job. Um, so, Jeremy, you touched on something that moves into uh, into kind of my favorite portions of the story. But before I go there, Pastor, what else? What other thoughts do you have on Joseph? What are you, is there anything else you want to throw in there? Cool, fun facts. I want to make sure I don't gloss over anything. No, no, because Joseph good. is such a fascinating, he is. fascinating figure. He is. He is. No, I'm. I, I think we've discussed Joseph pretty well. Okay. Yeah, I have one thought on Joseph. Now we talked about. Rightfully said, he wasn't a wasn't a religious leader, mm-hmm. wasn't a a king, you know, a regular. He was a regular guy. Know, regular guy. The one thing that was true about him, though, is that he was from the line of King David. Yes, right, right, and that was essential, according to the prophecies, right. that he would need to be from the line of King David because Jesus would have to come from the line of King David. Right. Now, Jesus didn't come physically from Joseph. But it came physically from Mary. But he there didn't is have some a, he speculation a, that Mary also is of yes, that line. Yeah, if you yeah, trace the lineage, yeah. yeah. So it may have been both of them from the line right. of King David, but 
when you, one of the genealogies, might be the one in Matthew, traces it through Joseph. Right. And it's, it's counting Joseph as Jesus's father in mm-hmm. that sense. So mm-hmm. he becomes like an adoptive father to sure. Jesus. Right. And that still, I think, is, uh, fulfills the requirement of Jesus being from the line of David through right. Joseph in that sense, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and also in the, you know, in the ancient world, um, your house was important, mm. right? And when I say your house, I mean your family line. Household, right? yeah. Yeah, your, right. your household. And whether mm-hmm. whether a child um, in a family was biologically of the father or the patriarch of that house or by some other means, whether it was, you know, in the instances of uh, mistresses or some other circumstance, if it was a child of that house, it was still of that line mm-hmm. um, by just by cultural standards, but also by law in, mm-hmm. in most areas in the ancient world. I mean, the, the, the house, the, under the, the, under the control of the patriarch, the father, the grandfather, whoever happens to be the head, um, that was given just as much credence as being family and of that family line as it would be blood. Mm. Except for, of course, when it comes to the case of like inheritance or passing down a, mm-hmm. um, some sort of a role that always went to the biological you know, eldest mm-hmm. son, but mm-hmm. still, if you're of that house, you're of that line. Right, and uh, Luke has it in uh, chapter three. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his man- ministry. He was the son, so it was thought of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of, and and also in Matthew's version, it talks in terms of the lineage of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh Yeah. Yeah, that's important because the promise, the covenant promise was made to King David that mm-hmm. he would always have a son on the throne who would reign forever. Yeah. And of course, that's pointing to Christ. Yep. And one thing the, the Jews absolutely knew and clung to is that the Messiah would be a son of David. Right. And that, and we've talked a lot about their expectations of a military leader, king type Messiah, but they knew that they were all over that. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a son of David. Right. So. And one last thing I want to highlight, you brought up, Jeremy, um, you know, you talk about Joseph as an adoptive father. Um, you know, another thing that we, that we can see from this uh, is the, sorry, I got a little choked up just talking about it. Um, as an adoptive parent myself, we see all the way from from scripture with Joseph as an adoptive dad, that your love for an adopted child is no different. Mm-hmm. Right. No different. You know, he, he raised Jesus. He passed down his trade. They spent time together. They bonded. Jesus was his son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't by blood. And as an adoptive mm-hmm. dad, as an adoptive parent in general, there's, there's no difference in the love. And I would think that would be the the place where the devil could really get in um, and cause division with Joseph. Hey, man, this isn't your son. This mm-hmm. is God's son. You know, mm-hmm. don't worry about trade. You know, God's got something in plan for him. Or, you know, don't worry about teaching him the law because he'll probably already know mm-hmm. it. Or, you know, don't, mm-hmm. don't, 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 don't. Do the things that you would do if it was your own kid, right? Yeah. And that's not what Joseph did. Uh, what Joseph did was he raised his son, um, sent him to Jewish school, 
taught him the law as was instructed by uh, Moses, you know, walked along the side of the road and talked about the things of God with his son mm-hmm. and or with his children, yeah. you know. Presented him at the temple, had him circumcised. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Did everything he was, not only that the law required, but when mm. Moses said he should do. Now, Jesus at 12 years old is at the temple. And on one hand, he's comfortable in the surroundings to be able to ask astounding questions mm-hmm. of the priests that were on temple duty. That doesn't happen unless Joseph is doing his job as as father, teaching mm-hmm. Jesus um, the law, teaching Jesus how to navigate um, life following the law, and that maybe the law is not just a set of rules. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the we we commonly call it, well, but it's the spirit of the law, right? Because Jesus would go on to say, and we've probably said this a couple times now in the last few podcasts, you heard it said that, but I tell you, you know, and Jesus is giving them the true lowdown on what the law is is really requiring, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Jeremy, you mentioned um, the, you know, traveling to Egypt, having to flee, mm-hmm. and that really, uh, that really goes to kind of my favorite part of um, the Advent and Christmas story, and really my favorite way to look at Scripture in general, outside of the the spiritual sense. Um, I love history. Um, I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated with the ancient world. And so, you know, going through any portion of Scripture, I always end up going down this rabbit trail of, you know, kind of looking up and researching what was what was going on in that time. And a lot of times when you when you do that, you actually get some some more deep context mm-hmm. into into the scripture, um, but the thing that that stands out to me is their journey. Not so much to Egypt and the fleeing, but this still does apply. Um, but just from Nazareth to Bethlehem, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, my thoughts on it kind of come in a comical compare and contrast uh, because I, well, you guys know me, I like to laugh at absurd thoughts. And really some of the things that we gripe about and think about nowadays are just absurd. So, um, and it's not even griping, but I kind of compare and contrast to like our Christmas travels, right? Um, And most of us have them in some way or another. Uh, So for Christmas time, might have some family that lives downstate uh, or with any luck in the UP, so you don't have to go downstate. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. To all of our listeners downstate, we love you. Um, but no, maybe you've got a, you know, Christmas Eve, you need to travel three or four hours, you know, right. drive, may, maybe even in some treacherous winter weather conditions. Mm. Um, that way you can go be with your family and uh, have a beautiful Christmas Eve dinner and a great Christmas morning or a Christmas brunch. And um, I'm not taking away from it. That, if you got a family, that can be a hassle. You got to pack up, you got to load up, you know, you got to make the drive and the drive with kids. Are we there yet? I got to go to the bathroom. It has its, <laughs> it has its issues, but we get to get in a car, stay warm, drive to our destination, celebrate, have a great time and come home. Let's compare and contrast that to Mary and Joseph's <laughs> Christmas travels. <laughs> So Mary and Joseph's Christmas travels, they had to go approximately 90 miles. So from Nazareth to Bethlehem, it's like 65 miles as the crow flies. But by the 
by the roadways. There's some, it's about 90 miles, right? Um, which to us, a 90 mile, that'd be like a nice short trip. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Be there in an hour and a half. half yeah. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you drive, if you drive like Pastor Paul, you'd be there in like, I don't know, 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's set the record straight on that one. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have a visual right now. Right. Pastor yeah. Paul on the like highway. 120 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. in the middle of winter. Yeah, not true. <laughs> um, but no, you know, that's 90 miles, no big deal. Well, for them, that was a week-long trip, anywhere from five to 10 days, depending on mm-hmm. conditions. Um you know, we know there was a donkey involved to be able to, to help, you know, transport Carrie. Mary was able to. She's nine months. Yeah, nine she's months nine pregnant. months pregnant. None of us can relate to that here. I wish Dana was here again. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the trip alone, take out the, the the fact she was nine months pregnant. The trip alone is grueling. Mm-hmm. Now she's nine months pregnant and having to make this trip, too. And, okay, we've thought about that before. Like, yeah, we know it was a long trip and they had to go on an arduous journey. Okay. Let's think about some of the facts, though. All right, so they've got to travel this 90 miles, which is five to 10 days on foot or on donkey. Not in a car, not in the heat. They also would have had to contend with some sort of temperatures. They have temperatures over there. Mm-hmm. It's cold at night. Um, they have to they have to be able to like, pack all of their food and water and carry it with them, which also means you got to ration your food and water because you can only carry so much. They can't stop at the gas station and get a jerky stick. You know, they can't stop at McDonald's and get a Happy Meal. They've got to carry everything with them, which makes the journey even more difficult, right? Um, and they've got to ration their goods. They've got to stop and camp. You know, we can't, we have no scope of that mm-hmm. nowadays. Right. There's no scope, really, of a hard journey unless you do it, like, for recreation. You go out to try to do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, on top of that, an interesting thing that um, a lot of people might not know, and I didn't know this until I did, um, was that a lot of that... Uh, that path through the Jordan Valley between Nazareth and Bethlehem was also like a cultivated forested sanctuary for lions, bears, and wild boar. Um, Archaeologists have actually uncovered signs, um, you know, signs and things like that warning for travelers (laughs) to be careful for lions, bears, and wild boar, because that was a sanctuary specifically made for it. So they've got, now they got to contend with that. Mm -hmm. Right. And we go, you know, we talk about Joseph being a protector Imagine the the pressure he was under mm-hmm. taking this journey and thinking, I've got my wife who is nine months pregnant with the son of God, and I need to get her through all of this safely, and I have a, a stick. All right. Staff. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> staff. I still wouldn't. I shouldn't say I wouldn't want to fight a lion with a staff. I actually probably would like that, but I doubt I'd win. <laughs> but it'd be a fun experience, but that'd be terrifying. So they've got all of that, not to mention, you know, you're on the road, like there's uh, robbers, marauders, and, yeah. robbers. I mean, yeah. that journey was 10 days absolutely fraught with danger in horrible conditions. And Mary's nine months pregnant. And this is where we would probably say that they were a part of a group at some level. I would imagine so. I would think, yeah. However, I mean, there's there's strength in numbers. It doesn't necessarily take out any of the risk factors, though, no. or make mm-hmm. the journey any easier. No. You know? Um, I mean, all those things are still still in place, but it just it fascinates me when I think about this stuff um, because we just, things are so comfortable for mm-hmm. us. Mm. You know? They're so comfortable. If we want to go 90 miles, we can finish recording this podcast 
go 90 miles to do something and come back and be back by dinner. Mm. You know? By I mean, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. A lot of the way you drive. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was my last one. That was my last one. I'm just, I'm just picking on the pastor. Uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, I, I love thinking about things in, in that context, the stuff they had to go through just to have an average day, just to make a short trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's other things in there that I don't know, or I've left out. And, well, I think it lifts up the fact that being faithful and saying yes to God doesn't mean that it's going to be a piece of cake. Mm, right. Sometimes it's just the opposite. That's it's right. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and your relationships are impacted. Obviously, they had to have been in some level mm-hmm. in this journey. And um, just the journey you talk about, um, how difficult of a journey that was and how hard it had to be on Mary. Um, and then Joseph worrying about her, you know, and the mm-hmm. whole routine. Um, this was not easy. This right. was incredibly difficult. And and it's the result of saying yes to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. And we need to remember that sometimes what God asks us to do is hard work. Mm-hmm. And I believe God equips us to do it. Yeah. He, he gives us what we need to succeed, but um, that doesn't mean it's an easy journey. And I think that you've lifted that up. And Absolutely. we need to remember that saying yes to God sometimes is incredibly costly, mm-hmm. even though it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh he doesn't promise that follow me, say yes and obey, and I'll make it all easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's that's one of those things. When when you really say yes and you really obey, most often than more more often than not, it's the hard thing. Mm-hmm. It's the hard thing that needs to be done. Which is a lesson we learn all throughout scripture, and uh the Christmas story is no exception. Um I'm sorry, Barry, go ahead. And the only thing I was going to add is, and and nothing's changed for us. Right. right. That's right. Yeah. It's the same for us. And yeah. we're still called to be faithful even when it's tough. And yeah. and when you are, when you are, it is a blessing. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, no there's, question. There's real joy and blessing, blessedness in being faithful. Yeah. Even if it's hard. Even yes. if it's hard. Yep. And that does, you're right, Barry, that applies to all of us today yep. in whatever God's calling us to do, even if it's not... Um, traveling and birthing and raising the the son of God. I mean, whatever our calling is, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be there. I want to thank you everybody uh, for joining us for Renew Your Mind. Um, we've got uh, some unique services coming up. We'd love to, for you to join us on Sunday morning uh, at Gaylord First United Methodist Church, 215 South Center Avenue. Um, we have some unique Christmas services coming up. Pastor Paul, what do we have coming up this Sunday? So this coming Sunday is Christmas Eve, and we will have a Carols and Meditations Christmas morning, Christmas Eve morning. And then we'll have uh, two services in the evening or afternoon evening, a family or contemporary styled service at 4 p.m., and then a traditionally with choir, traditional-minded service at uh, 6 p.m., and both will be candlelight services. Uh, So come expectantly. Again, I encourage you to uh, share this podcast, but also invite others to come with you that may not normally uh, come across the threshold of the church. This is the most likely time of the year where people will say, yes, I would love to come to a Christmas Eve service. And they would come if they are invited. Yes. So we've got three services. The morning service at 10. 10. And then uh, 4 and 6 p.m. 
Christmas Eve or candlelight services. Just wanted to hit that one more time. Um, folks, if you, uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, or even if you didn't, please give us a share um, and a like. Send the link to your friends. Um, you know, share the wealth, share the knowledge. Uh, but thank you for joining us today. And stay safe and God bless. <laughs>